You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show. I am your host, The Monster, and for today's podcast, I adapted one of my Geek Out library programs in which we talked about Loki. So, in addition to myself talking about Loki, I have Caroline, Jennifer, Annie, and Patrick, who had problems with his audio, If you're interested to hear Patrick, you can listen to him on my older podcast in which he joined me and others to talk about Invincible. So for this podcast, there will be spoilers. So if you've not seen Loki, then by all means, pause this podcast, go watch six episodes. It's not that long. And then come back to us to listen to this podcast. We will be recapping all six episodes as well as talking about different elements that we liked throughout the series. On that note, let me pass it on to my Geek Out crew. What are your thoughts about episode one? I was like, okay, go Jennifer, go, you're going to start. I, just, I, I did not know what was happening. Um, just so many things happening at once. Um, I caught the gist that he went from uh, where he was with the cube somewhere else and then he was captured um, by these people, but I wasn't sure where it was going from there. Right. And then we meet all these colorful characters, including the little time watch, which was so cute. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and he sees all these infinity stones, and you know, people are killing themselves for these things, and these people just have them as paperweights and stuff. So I was kind of like, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was definitely uh, disorienting, that first episode, because I feel like they take you out of where we are right now with the MCU timeline, and they take us back, which is a kind of a great parallel between what they're doing to the viewer and what they're doing to Loki. So you're like, oh, let me think back to where this is in the timeline and where he's at and what has happened and what's still to come. Um, so that kind of whole experience was pretty disorienting, but I thought it was really cool to get this, like, you know, we're, we're dropped in just like Loki is to what the TVA is and all of these new characters and what's going on. And, um, something that I mentioned later is like the aesthetic of it, of like how classic it looks and yeah, Miss Minutes, the little clock. Mm -hmm. I love her. And then this little, like video explanation as if it's like how a bill becomes a law kind of thing so (laughs) i thought it was a really cool way to to do it and to get me reinterested in a character that um i mean i've always really loved loki and like norse mythology in general but you know as this kind of like anti-hero villain type of person it's like his storyline can get played out really easily um, and so it kind of added a new dimension and some new life to it. Annie, what are your thoughts? Um, I came in with no expectations. You know, I just want simply wanted to be entertained. And so I didn't come with any expectations. But um, 
as I was watching it, I agree with everyone. It was, I was like, okay, what are you guys are doing? Where is this going? But I enjoyed not knowing and I enjoyed how the story was unfolding. Um, and I really loved, like, one of my favorite actors was in it. Was it Owen? I don't remember his name. Owen, Owen Wilson. Or something. Yeah, Owen. So as soon as I saw him, I, I knew it was going to be good. I was like, okay, okay. I'm, I was captivated. So, but yeah, that's how I felt about the first one. And I love the time clock as well. That the same, same as Caroline, the whole um, retro. I thought that was really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little taken aback because it's like, it's been a while since we saw um, Endgame in which that moment happened and Loki gets a Tesseract and then fades out and then that's it. Nothing was ever talked about in that, that movie. That was two years ago. And I know that the series is going to happen. I'm like, how are we going to do a Loki series? I could understand maybe Scarlet Witch and Captain uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But Loki, that that took me a bit. But right off the bat, seeing how it literally picks up right where that moment happened, really kind of it throws you for a loop, much like what happens to our character. And what I love about this it feels very procedural, like a, a cop show, uh, where you have like the guy who has to be brought in to find like the fugitive to be brought in to find a fugitive, that kind of thing. Uh, but you had uh, Owen Wilson. Is it, is it, no, is that Owen? No, it is Owen. It is Owen. Yeah, it is Owen. Mm-hmm. Keep the two of them, the two brothers. They look so different, though. What I know, but blonde? the name. One of them has I know. At first, <laughs> at first, I thought John. At first, I thought he was John Slatery, the guy from Mad Men, the white hair guy. Oh, I love him. I'm like, him. no, that's yeah. not him. Yeah, I was like, that's not. But him. he's yeah. he's the, the he's uh, Iron Man's father. Uh, he is Iron Man. Tony, yeah, Tony Stark's father. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Patrick. So yeah. Um, so it, it's it's nice to see that situation, and you know he's right off the bat. The whole idea is he's he's bound with glorious purpose, and then he gets taken down a notch. That that like strap on that he to get the collar he put on him, and going in slow motion in that weird lip motion thing. Everything is taking him down a notch. And then what's heartbreaking is his reaction to seeing himself being killed by Thanos. I'm like, that's how I go out. And he's broken. He has nothing to go forward on this, you know, which is weird because if you take something out of, out of that timeline, wouldn't that timeline end? Like it wouldn't have continued, but I guess it still does. But that's the thing that Marvel was trying to do. Which um I I know it's a fictional, but you know I like to be fooled. Yeah. They're constantly trying to redefine what their definition of uh going back in time is. Cause you know, I'm stuck mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a part of that dura- generation that will always be always be stuck with Back to the Future. Because yeah. to me that made, that made the most damn sense. So when they're trying to redefine their version of what a time, a back to time, how that works in their universe, mm-hmm. I'm like, no. <laughs> No, so I don't even try to figure that out. But I get what you're doing, Monty. Yeah, give it up, give it up. Cause they, they don't don't try to figure it out. Because honestly, if you go with the whole explanation that Steve Rogers went back to the past and gave all the stones back, I don't buy that. Because there's there are moments and like 
Steve Rogers did not come back immediately. So that timeline was changed, but that wasn't the same timeline that they're in. It's a different branch of a different timeline. That does... So, oh, again, Maybe it gets it's, confusing. it's like one of those things where it's like you don't necessarily have to return to the time that you left, you know, because I feel I like that's a really cool thing that people do with time travel is sometimes you go to the past or you go to the future and you always come back to the time at which you left, but right. sometimes you don't. And so... I think it's like if you want to think about time as, you know, a circle or something that you can fold, you know, you can jump from point to point rather than going in a straight line. But then again, they set it up as if the sacred timeline is a straight line. Right. Right. So then it's like, um, maybe I don't think they yet know exactly what they want to do with it. You know, they don't. They don't, and and that's what I had to let go of because I think too much, mm-hmm. and I I could not in, like I I realized the only way I can enjoy this show is just to let go of <laughs> of my my uh, my Back to the Future, <laughs> my Back to the yeah. Future because I can't let that go. That's the only thing that made sense to me. It's you the know? suspension so it's of disbelief. Things. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things you just have to let go. Because they don't know how to read. They they honestly don't know how to remake that. They don't. They just yeah. like they just want to make a story. And they screwed themselves with that. They know that. <laughs> well, there was there was a line that says, uh, I think later on Loki finds with, or something to the effect about, what about the Avengers? Like, no, no, no. Timekeepers are cool with what the Avengers did. I'm like, really? But you're getting on me of all the things <laughs> that I've done. You know, that I thought was kind of kind of kind of funny to do. Um, I also like that. Yeah. Um- he was true to Loki's character, very arrogant, despite that he didn't know what he had done in himself at two. Mm. You know, like, you know, it's me, Loki. <laughs> you know, I am like the king of Asgard. You know, it's like, how, you know, who are you people? Yeah. And, and that's what I loved about the whole arc with six episodes. You know, it, there is such an arc for this character that I'm glad that it made it so that He's not just a one-note wonder, you know. He's been around since the very beginning, literally. Um, and I'm glad to see that he is now going in a different direction. As Morbius said, there's always a chance for you to go good. You can do that. You're He's not earning that. that glorious purpose. Yeah. You know? There you go. Nice job <laughs> on that. He is earning the glorious purpose. Like all of us are, right? So... Patrick, what are your thoughts for the first episode? Are you going to put it in chat? Because I'm not hearing you. Okay, one moment. He's going to put it in chat. Okay. All right, no worries. <laughs> we'll read it. I hate to um, I hate to jump forward, but I want to ask real quick. Does anybody remember what is the episode um where he's on the he's on the planet, the purple planet? Lamentus. That's the third. Okay. Episode. Okay, when we get to the third, there's something I do want to point out. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, I just want to do a bookmark on that before I forget. Okay, fair enough. All right, so while Patrick is typing, let me go to the second. So we get to the heart of the matter where we have the variant, where we get to see Loki on his first mission, so to speak, to find the variant, which is he thinks... He's the superior variant or the superior version of Loki. 
But we find that there is a second Loki that's out there that's setting up the timekeepers that is literally ambushing them and everywhere they go, taking their, um, what do you call those devices? The time reset devices, the chargers, uh, for a plan that we don't know yet, but that's what she's been doing is taking them out. Um, and I'm glad that we get to see this take place kind of in the future. 2050, I think it's 2050 when this starts. So by then, from now, I should be dead because I don't want to be around because they have the environmental damage across the board. And I'm like, I'm out. So go at it. I don't care about that feature anymore. I'm done. Go watch your kids. I'm sorry that I brought you into this world. <laughs> but I'm just like, every time I listen to the news, we've got like, we can't pass the point of no return. We're just like, we're for a gone. Hurricanes are coming. They're going to merge into tornadoes and make earthquakes movable across the world. I don't know, but it's just like, Seeing that, I'm like, I'm done. Don't don't succumb to climate doom, Monty. I'm younger <sighs> than you. Don't doom me. <laughs> I've got more time to live, and I'm gonna have to live on <sighs> this planet that's on fire. Hopefully, we just can saying. Out. Just saying. In any case, uh, we'll live underground. Okay, yeah. live underground. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna follow the books, we might as well start living on the ground. Uh, but the, the clue that Loki realizes is that if you hide out in a Nexus event, such as a doomsday scenario like Pompeii, you can do anything and nothing happens because everything gets wiped out anyway. So that was kind of clever, and I love that kind of moment, that insight that he was, you know, not that he was leaning into, but he discovered, like, oh, okay, I'm thinking about what I would do, and, like, that makes sense. So I thought that was a great episode too, and again, the the relationship between uh, Morbius and uh, Loki really develops nicely between the two of them. So, turn it over to you guys to give me your thoughts. I I agree with what you said, um, and I also like the character development with the officer, the woman officer uh, that's trying to figure out what's happening. She's like, you know, what she's trying to figure out what is happening here, um, because one of the the time officers have been repeating something like, uh, you know, I live this, I live this. So the Loki variant had already gotten into her and kind of, you know, brought up her memory, her actual memories that supposedly were wiped out from them. Um, so I like that the other officer was kind of like curious to find out, you know, I really want to get rid of you, but I want to know, you know, what's happening here. So it sparked curiosity in her, and I really like her character as well. I'm not sure her name is right now, but I think that um, it brought her into a different light as well. I think it's the one they call um, Hunter B-15. That's what I have written down. I don't know if they ever gave her an actual name, but mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. Because it's like she's kind of figuring she's some things out. She's getting some of those clues, and then you got this like buddy cop comedy vibe that you get with Mobius and Loki, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, my two takeaways for the episode were 
dang, that library is sick. <laughs> I wish I had that library because it's like massive, you know, it's got these huge statues mm-hmm. in it. And I was like, I want to go there. And um, well, technically, is- you can because it's a hotel lobby that they oh, fill. That is, if we look up, that's what the hotel inside looks in Atlanta. And in I've Atlanta. It's the same one I think they use in, um, what is it, Mindhunter? I don't know if you've seen the show on Netflix, but I think they filmed inside of that one as well. Because in Georgia, they use that hotel always. Yeah. Well, it's really cool. It is very cool. Yes. Um, But the other thing that I was kind of like, I felt kind of bad about, but I was like, I wanted to see more apocalypses. Like, I wanted (laughs) to see more of those kind of like doomsday events. And like, I love you know, that they use Pompeii. Um, I guess everything else was deemed like too soon, you know, but I was like, guys, we have, you know, thousands of years of human history, like show us other apocalypses. I'm curious. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really cool kind of build up episode. What about you, Annie? I feel the same. It was, um, I cruised through that through episode two. It was just pure entertainment for me because I enjoyed the, um, the story development for, from it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Patrick wrote for, this is from the last, um, referring to the first one. So you liked the first episode, it reminded him of the original Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Overall, a lot of the, that's one of them. A lot of little Doctor Who feelings overall, too, I felt. Um, and then, uh, old sci-fi backdrop would drew him more into the series. So, yeah. Um, there, there was that that piece of that music. The, the I forgot the instrument. It's called them, uh, them, the theremin. Them, theremin. Thank you. Has that weird kind of spooky fifties uh, creepiness. I love that tremendously. It was one of Neil Armstrong's favorite instruments. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw First Man, but the one with Ryan Gosling about Neil Armstrong, they mm-hmm. used the theremin for like the entire movie score. And it wow. is it is a vibe. It is a vibe. <laughs> now I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, and then of course, the we find that Loki finds the variant and the two of them duke it out, but then she scoots and then he scoots after her, and then that's how the episodes left. All right, so we have episode three, Lamentus. So this is where they're now on this purple planet. And to me, I really, first time around, I found it really frustrating because this is just like a lot of them talking and just, I know things are going to happen, but I'm like, nothing's happening for a long time except for the like last five minutes in which this is a doomed planet because the moon is going to crash upon them. But there is a shuttle or an arc that is going to be taking off. But as we see, that doesn't go anywhere because that also gets dismantled by oncoming uh, meteor shower. And then they're stranded on Lamentus. Annie, what were your thoughts? You said you wanted to talk about, about uh, Lamentus. It's funny because um I felt like this was one of the most important. I think this was a key episode of the entire series, mm-hmm. and the reason why I feel that way is because of a quote that um Loki the what you know the the female Loki says to Loki on the Purple Planet, and she says to him, she says the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos 
like me being born goddess of mischief. That's the whole premise of the storyline, you know? Right. And um, I, to me, that's the point where, okay, now I get what they're doing. Now I get where this, this is going. Um, cause I'm kind of slower than other people, but <laughs> within all the talking, I, that, that stood out to me and it, it made sense. It made sense. And, um, that, that was, a, that was the main thing for me. Is this the same? This is not the episode where, um, Morbius gets thrown into, um, into like, how, into that another planet, you know, when they delete him? No, 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 because okay. this is just mainly just between Sylvie and Loki. That's it. Okay. Morbius yeah. is. It's completely out of the picture. This is just their moment together on Lamentus, which yeah. the second time around, I, I, I again, looking at this as the purpose of making these two become a thing together that they can work well together, despite the fact that she has doesn't want anything to do with him. But, you know, you have to develop that relationship somewhere. So, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying, if you have to start, you only have six episodes, so you have to, like, make this character work with Loki, one way or another. You you have to make that care enough for him to change or to have some kind of feelings for her, and he does, but, it, like, you have to start somewhere. So, rather than, this is a person I have to catch, who I think is beneath me, now she, he sees her as something more than, that's him, you know, in many respects, so... I think he also had sympathy for Sylvie because um, she was captured as a child, as opposed to him. He had a childhood, um, you know, and this is happening as a full-grown adult. But she got captured very young, and she was, like, hiding in the shadows, trying to plot her, her revenge, you know, her doing this all by herself. Yeah, and the fact that she's been able to evade all these years to now being an adult... Who knows how long she's been doing this mm-hmm. since, since the the TVA are kind of outside the timeline, and she's kind of like surfing that. How and like she said, I've been pruned bef- long before you were even born. So who knows how long that's been? Considering that Asgardians can live like a, at least a thousand years. So yeah, I think it was interesting. It almost needed the time they needed to take time to get that emotional investment from us as viewers for us to care about, you know, lady Loki or Sylvie, whatever you want to call her. And, and then you had, you like, you both had to like her and you wanted, you know, Loki and her to figure out a way to team up in their way. I don't know (coughs) personally, if I like the idea of a romance between them which you get this kind of like very interesting, you know, um, last, like, not the last sequence, but basically when they're sitting there on those rocks and you think that, you know, they're talking about basically the end of, you know, their lives. I don't know if I really like that idea. Cause when you think about it, you're like, these are two versions of the same person. So they're almost falling in love with themselves and in a physical manifestation, which kind of makes sense again. I mean, it's weird, but it makes sense, right? Because Loki basically only cares about himself. Like, mm-hmm. all of his decisions are made of, you know, for his own survival, for his own best interest. So it kind of makes sense. I don't know, though, if you want Loki and Sylvie to have emotional growth, though. You mm. know, it would have made sense maybe, you know, before this whole character arc. But... um 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel very conflicted about it because it is strange. You're almost like he's, you know, Narcissus falling in love with his own reflection. It's just like, oh, she's a female form. Um, so that's a little strange. But I really loved some of the sequences that they did, the way that they shot some of them. Because like that last sequence, the very end of the episode, when they're fighting to get on that ship, I think is almost like one straight shot which I love a tracking shot. I'm kind of obsessed with them. The longer, the better. I think that they're so impressive when, you know, they can actually get through an entire scene without cutting. Um, so I loved that. I mean, I don't think you could have a doomed planet without having that spaceship kind of be destroyed. But still, I thought it was a really well done episode because it takes its time and really develops some, you know, emotional investment, but then also has some really cool action shots. So, you know, best of both worlds, Marvel. So. Patrick writes, it's narcissism on a whole new level. It definitely is. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is a it is a, a weird take that it's a, the same person or the exact same-ish person's personality just being attracted to each other itself. I'm like, well... Again, he hasn't had that moment of love, per se, but there was a question that I want to ask you, because she asked, is there a princess or maybe a prince uh, waiting for you back back home? And he said, you know, perhaps a little both. Did you find that to be an interesting thing that he w revealed or like, no, it's fine. I feel a bit like it's queer baiting, but I digress. I'm just like, if you want to make Loki, you know, a queer character, then make him a queer character. Maybe don't have him fall in love with, you know, a seemingly like cisgender, straight, white, female version of himself. I think they could have explored that in a more interesting way. I mean, they do show some other, you know, variants where Loki looks a lot different than what we're expecting of him. but. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't really enough. You know, I want more. I want to see it. I want them to portray it on film and not just reference it, you know. I mean, kind of like in still the exact same realm, but not per se in this episode. In the last ep in the last movie of uh, Star Wars, the, the Rise of Skywalker, there are two women at the very end that do kiss. But I'm like, I'm not invested because these are just off-screen characters, and sure, they did it on screen, but if you were killing the Empire again, I guess you would be happy and you will kiss the first person in front of you. So I didn't feel like that was a thing that you would do anyway because you that's your uh, your nature to, to do that. You're just happy to be there, whatever. But in any case, here, it's done on purpose, and it's to a degree it doesn't really show. It's just more like um, tell but don't show. And that's the first rule is that we're not supposed to do that when it comes to screenwriting. You could have done a quick flashback of him falling in love with someone real, real quickly. It doesn't have to be anything more than just the two of them together. You know, It doesn't some... even have to be love. It could no. just, you know, just if that's. Because from my understanding, it's like Loki's never loved anyone but himself before. And this is the first time that he's really understanding what that kind of being in love with another person is and what that means for how you view yourself and view the other person and you together as a unit. 
So I'm like, I didn't even need that. You could have just been like him flirting with some random guy back in Asgard. And I'd be like, oh, interesting. You know? Right. Something. I never saw that uh, weirdness before in him until I read uh, Mackenzie Lee uh, Loki, The God of Mischief. Where he's interested in the witch, but he's also interested in the person helping him. So it's kind of maybe they're referencing to that. I'm not sure exactly. Um, it was just kind of, I, I mean, I think between them, they have more of a kinship than a, a romance. But yes, they both have that flirtatious style and, um, you know, that narcissism between them. Um, so he's just a lot of everything. Okay. So let's move on to the Nexus event, episode four. Ooh. So we have the kind of the quick flashback of what happened to um, Sylvie, but we're really still, even after watching this twice, why she was pulled or why she was deemed necessary to prune. I, I felt bad for her being as a kid, being pulled away from everything that she knows. But then she's forced to like live on the run, so to speak, and just be like, live that life. I can't even imagine what that does to one's psyche. But I'm trying to remember, even though I just watched this, they get rescued at the very beginning. And what was it that they get? I'm blanking out of this episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, they get pulled into... Um, Two different rooms and doing interrogation. And Mobius says, you know, she's already been pruned, so you might as well not even worry about. Uh, but before then, he gets sent into the room where uh, Sif kind of punishes him all over again and again and again. Which, I get it's funny, it's fine, but I I always thought that Jane, Jamie Alexander would have been, like, great as Wonder Woman. But considering how I saw her acting on this, her little stunt on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm like, I'm not crazy about her as a character, especially Lady Sif. I've never seen her other show that she does on NBC, where she's covered in tattoos. I guess it's fine to bring someone in from Asgard. I guess she still survived from the snapping. But it doesn't make a difference because this is just more of a memory thing, I guess. We're getting to that point where it, it's, as we see in the recap, that Morbius is kind of suspecting that what Loki was saying is the truth, is that the TVA have been all lying to you, that you're all variants. So the breakdown for the thing that he believes, you know, and he starts saying, it's not that I need to have to believe, it's just what it is, you know, he doesn't have to examine anything. But that's when the starts to break down because even, um, C-15, uh, Hunter-15, uh, also is noticing things, too, that this doesn't jive right. I might diverge a little bit, a little yeah. off script, but um, while I was watching episode four, um, my husband walked in, and because he, he saw the episode before me, and mm-hmm. he saw Loki and Owen together, and he says, uh, he's like, um, okay, there go Loki and his, his therapist. And then when he said that, I'm like, ah. Oh. Do you notice that in every Marvel show, whether it was um, the Winter Soldier, uh, WandaVision, it all had this therapeutic moment. For WandaVision, it was when Agnes took her back in the past Mm. and she had to come to peace with it. With Winter Soldier, it was him making peace 
with his past. And, you know, it was all in different forms. And Loki, truly, Owen was his therapist. Owen helped him, if you think about it, really deal with, um, deal with himself. Mm-hmm. You know, every time they sat down and talked. Okay, so with that aside, when I think about the conversation you all just had about him uh, falling in love with the, you know, the female version of Loki. Okay, the female Loki of, it, of, 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 the female version of Loki, they established that it's, it's just him, a different variation. So when they said, oh, it makes sense for you to l- fall in love with yourself, he, it is him, you know? So it's this whole, um, to me, it's a psychological mind kind of game. And he can't really change and become this person he is until he accepts himself, fall in love with himself, which is that female version because she is him, mm-hmm. just in different form. But that's that's how I took it. When I hear you describe it that way, I'm almost like, wow. So I feel like Loki then is the only fully formed character. And then all of these other characters are really just like almost two-dimensional people that are just That's why he's the strongest. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. But I'm like, I kind of don't like that as a viewer <laughs> because then I'm like, well, the storytellers couldn't do better than we're just going to give Loki a character arc and everybody else is going to basically stay exactly the same throughout the entirety of the show. You know what I mean? Like nobody else yeah. can evolve. Nobody else can develop. The show is all about Loki. We're going to give you all of these other characters names, Loki. You know, we're going to give you all these other characters, but... They're really just pawns in Loki's game with himself in his own yes. path to self-development. But I'm like, yes. that, like I yes. like the show, but now that I realize that, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not what I but, mean. That's the, but that's yeah. the running theme. If you really look right. back at WandaVision and you look back at the Winter Soldier and you look back at um, what, the, the Black Widow, Black mm-hmm. Widow, they all right. had that moment where they had to face the past that they were running from, come to grips with it. If they don't, they couldn't move forward and be the, you know, protagonist yeah. where some were the antagonist, you know? Well, it's like the hero's journey, right? Like, I think that yeah. it's an all, like the all of way, these superheroes are archetypes. The way I saw it, I think Morbus was more of uh, his conscience. Like, look at what you've done, you know? Um, at the beginning, it shows like when his mother, the queen, is, is being killed and he's just watching he just goes away. And then I, I think he's more like of a conscience for him. Like, you know, you're not a great guy. <laughs> he likes him, but he's like conscious for him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what does it say about you if your conscience is obsessed with jet skis? <laughs> like, and and Joe Stokola. But that's only because he wanted to live a life that was taken from his memory. They don't understand yeah. that at that point. And that's what that other officer is kind of figuring out at that point, um, which I love her so much. And she was a character, a main character in Lovecraft, which was on HBO. Mm. Um, her name was Ruby there. She's very good. I really enjoyed her character. She has a strong presence as a woman. Um, you know, I, I thought that they, they did good with her character. Um, so a couple of things to add to this. We also, I forgot to mention that, uh, Sylvie and, um, Loki find the timekeepers. Of course, they fight, and Sylvie was able to find out that there are androids or mindless androids or soulless androids. Um, 
But then Loki is trying to convince, uh, c- confess his feelings for her, for Sylvie, grabs her, and then the moment gets pruned in the back, and then boom, he dissolves. So the post credit for this is that he thinks he's in hell, but he's not. And we see the variants of himself. So uh, just to let you know, Patrick wrote that he has not seen the last two episodes, but he's okay with the spoilers. So I'm sorry, Patrick. <laughs> but Journey into Mysteries, you know, if there was going to be a standout episode for an, an entire series for season one, this is it. Richard E. Grant as Loki. By far won my heart out because growing up on reading the comics, knowing that old style Loki, he nails it. You know, I don't mind you know, that we have like Tom Hiddleston as Loki and it's fine. But that's to me, that's the classic model of Loki with the big, ridiculous horns, you know? So, but in any case, we do see that Loki, our Loki, meets his other versions of doppelgangers, the variants that are going to be, uh, one of them being the game of Loki. So, Patrick, you'll get one too. So, uh, but I like the fact that we get Kid Loki, both for Loki. And, of course, the old Loki, which is Richard E. Grant. Um, I liked his character, too. And I liked how they, um, I liked how the, their storyline for him. He was like the self-actualized Loki. <laughs> yeah, that he was able to get away from Thanos and just, like, be able to, like, escape and live that life. And then look how he turned out. So I don't know what's worse. Dying by the hand of Thanos or escape into a life that you have no purpose afterwards. So, yeah, that was a bit depressing. <clears throat> it's like there's no winning. <laughs> yeah, but that's what they were. That's what they were saying. They were. Um, that's what he was telling Loki. Basically, he says that that we are doomed for this because he's the self actualized. Mm-hmm. He's reached the top. He, you know, he he gets the understanding. He knows who he is fully. He knows what his purpose is. He fulfilled it. And he's telling Loki, listen, we're doomed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're doomed. This is our fate. We also find out that Kid Loki killed Thor. That's what, that was his Nexus event. Boastful Loki, I don't know if he gave any reason that I could think of. I can't think of if he said anything. Uh, but we do get another variant, which is President Loki. Which they were double dealing or double backstabbing each other, trying to get power, or whatever. Uh, then, of course, that's where we get Gator Loki coming in, biting President Loki's hand and biting it off, which I thought is hysterical, which made me want to print up a 3D Loki Gator. I love that character so much. What they're trying to do is that. I'm sorry, is um, Gator Loki from an actual comic version? I don't know if there is, but I do know Kid Loki does exist, but who knows? At this point, I'm sure there's some reference in there, but there is a little Easter egg in which, if you look closely, you see uh, Mignar in the dirt, and there's a jar and a frog trying to bust out. That's actually is Thor as a frog in that jar. Sylvie and Loki were able to get Azoth? No. What was that cloud creature? 
They were trying oh, to. Yeah, I don't remember it. his name. Okay. Whatever that the cloud creature that was protecting the gate. The scary cloud. The scary cloud. So they're able to enchant it together, but of course, uh, this Loki, the self-actualized Loki, was able to help grasp and enchant it that way, and then he sacrificed himself for glorious purpose. So I was all coming around to him. I'm like, thank you for that, and that was beautifully done. All right, so last episode for all time, always. We get to see the Puppet Master. Which is also a main character in Lovecraft from HBO. I, if you haven't yeah, I know. It. When you said Lovecraft earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, <clears> wasn't he in Lovecraft? Because I haven't watched it yet. For, but, yeah, I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Obsessed with him. He's my new obsession. Because <laughs> he who remains, I was just like, I love this. I'm all here for it. It's amazing. I loved it. So he will be back. Kang will be back in the Ant-Man movie and Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. So we'll see that version of him down the road. But in any case, we get to see the appearance of Kang, or as he says, he who shall remain, a version that is the protector of all the things that we have right now. This is a little bit too talky for my taste, but at least... It's, it doesn't sour the series. I just wish it ended a little better, but it still had enough momentum going into this. Um, so the, the choice is either you take over, meaning both you, Sylvie, and Loki take over TVA, then I'm out, or you kill me, and then you unleash the multiverse, so to speak. And that's where the two of them start to go at each other because Sylvie, all her life, has been dealing with this. Is she right in her mindset? Was Loki right to stop her? I, I can't argue both sides, but, you know, you I had your parts in on this. <laughs> yeah, I think Sylvie's just bent on revenge, and Loki's thinking of the consequences of what is going to happen, um, you know, if they kill him. So I think he's, like, taking the grown-up role in this one. Well, because that's the question, right? Can they even kill him? If he is like this weird omnipotent force, you know, like I feel like Loki's, yeah, Loki's considering can they even kill him? Because if they can't, then he who remains is going to kill Sylvie. And I don't think Loki's ready to let that happen. You know, like he's emotionally invested in her clearly. So he doesn't want her to die. And yeah, I feel like. This is probably this one dimensionality creeping back in in Sylvie where she's so hell-bent on revenge that um, she can't really see sense, you know? And it's like, well, what happens um, when you, like, what will happen? Nobody knows. The the future is uncertain. But it's really interesting, Annie, that quote that you said that she she had said in an earlier episode about chaos I think is really interesting because Loki as an agent of chaos, you know, the world, you know, reverts back to chaos. When you try to force it into order, if you relax those boundaries, it becomes chaotic again. And it's almost like she's fulfilling this natural role of Mm -hmm. being the antagonist and reintroducing this chaos into this ordered and organized timeline. So it's like, 
again, very archetypal. So it's like, it's necessary, but it's really interesting then to see um, if you kind of, we take this idea of like the two Lokis are, you know, two faces of the same coin. It's like, they're clearly at war with each other. And so it's almost as if, you know, you can see if we're going with this metaphor of a consciousness, it's at war with itself, with the two Lokis fighting. Like, oh, I want to be able to get revenge and I want to follow this base instinct. But I also know that if I do something bad and and things that I, consequences that I can't envision right now will also happen. And I think it's a really interesting kind of power play. Personally, I love talking. (laughs) I love listening to people talk, especially like he who remains reminded me a lot of season one of true detective with Matthew McConaughey, just kind of talking into like the ether. And you're like, what is he even saying? It sounds like nonsense. (laughs) I appreciate that, you know, that philosophizing. And I thought it was really interesting to see it because it's highly intellectual seeing it in a Marvel show and in a Marvel context, I think is really interesting. I don't know if it's productive, if there really was a lot to say other than he seems like this weird, trickster guy but also too it kind of reminds me of who loki is at his core right because you know slippery he who remains is very slippery can't really pin down what he's trying to say what he's going after and you know classic loki not the character just the idea of loki as you know chaos and it's a it's a weird juxtaposition that i appreciate i like i'm gonna have to go a little opposite of that i felt like this was the most disappointing episode for me. The reason why I say that is because as soon as the, the, the cloud open and you get to see, you know, the Emerald City, I'm like, please let this not be like the Wizard of Oz. Cause it felt like it was, and it became predictable. Mm. It was the Wizard of Oz. And when they, st- and then the breakdown started to happen when he tried to, with that whole conversation you would, you brought up, um, Monty about should they or shouldn't they? Mm-hmm. That whole conversation, I mentally walked out. The reason being is because the writers did a really bad job in explaining the timeline. In order to be able, I felt like in order to be able for me to come to a conclusion, I would have to understand the timeline. And they screwed up that time, <laughs> how the timeline works, how the timekeeper works. So my mind was going on. I said, like, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but. I do. I he do. gets into he gets into further conversation about the timeline, and all I can think of is there's got to be a a way to go back and just undo things because now that it's like you guys are changing the rules again, it just didn't make it. It was just it was stupid. <laughs> it, to me, it was stupid. Cause I, <laughs> and I'm like, it, 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 in the beginning, I was like, okay, I can let go of the the lot the logistics of their idea what the timeline is, but now it comes back to haunt me because now. They were trying to set a foundation, but for me, that foundation was never solid. So it fell, it fell through the cracks for me. And by that time, I didn't care. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it though. I'm enjoying the acting and all that stuff, but I didn't like the timekeeper. I love them in other movies. I love them in other movies. I think they could have, um, used a, a different actor. Okay. But I love, I loved him in, um, in other films. I really like him. But I just didn't like him casted as that. Maybe as another role or give him different lines. But I, I, didn't, I don't know. It was just, it didn't fit for me. 
I think okay. part of the problem is the characters, uh, they were loose. Like, we don't know why the judge, who the judge was, what happened with the judge. Like, everything, there wasn't a conclusion. Uh, everything was left up, like, in the air. And then this character, the superior, is saying this whole thing. And you're like, oh, my God. So what does that mean? Where, where do the chips lay now? Well, and who was before? I'm sorry. And who was before him? Who was before him? He said he created the timeline. So you telling me that everyone is floating into space, and you're the most powerful because there was no one more powerful than you that could have put you in check. But now you're saying that someone is part more powerful than you. That you know you need to take this job because I want to retire. Like what's going to happen to you now? They did it. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Because all we have to worry about now is that we'll have to wait until season two to see what happens. That's that's the beauty of all this frustration. It's like, come on, you're gonna leave it like that. You're not gonna explain how you know Loki sees Mor- uh, Mobius and this. I don't know who you are. What's your name? Your analysis, right? What's your so he's freaking out. Timeline has been changed, or at least we don't know which timeline this is now. So, because things have gone awry. Because there was something here that I wanted to play, but I'll, I'll, I think I have it in the slides somewhere, but don't worry about it. Uh, so, let's quickly go through, because we're almost out of time. Not that I'm not complaining, because I love this. But let's talk about the aesthetics. Caroline, you'd like to bring it up? Yeah, I just loved that they went with this, like, very classic 1950s, 60s, like, government aesthetic where they had, like, the browns and these oranges and these mustardy yellow colors. And it really, like, sets um, sets the scene for it. And I thought it was really interesting that, like, of all of time and space, they decide, let's go with this very municipal look, you know? And it's a very recognizable look. Some of our libraries can you know give you this vibe sometimes so i thought that that was a really uh a cool thing that they did because it's a little bit retro and i also think it's interesting that it kind of fits in with um some of wandavision you know like that classic kind of look i thought that that was a cool thing it's, it's weird that it all the looks like being controlling very thing you won with a rotary phone yeah <laughs> i because love a rotary phone <laughs> it's like the timeline is breaking up <laughs> You've got all the time in the world to dial. <laughs> God forbid you screwed up the number, like I start all over again. But definitely, I think it was clever that they did that. And of course, the the TVA, which we know it's a sham, because there's someone else pulling behind the scene. Uh, there's and I and I love the fact that she is breaking out to in search of her own free will. Which is another thing that I think is really, we didn't talk about this at all, about something that's predetermined. Like, all this was already planned, as opposed to me doing this and dropping it. No, that was planned also. I mean, how are we supposed to know that that was our free will, not something that was supposed to be planned? I think that's why some of the, like, why there's such controversy over episode six. Because it's like this idea of, Almost not to bring up controversial subjects, but it's this idea of philosophy versus religion and Mm -hmm. like arguing against just core identity, you know, like do like is everything predetermined or is it not, you know, and I think that, you know, finding the answer to that everybody. (laughs) 
Well, I think, so why are you going to prune everybody? Well, I mean, isn't that what happens to all of us in the end? <laughs> we all get pruned <laughs> in a way, you know? So I think that that's, I think, where the disappointment can lie because the the interest is in striving for answering that question, but the answer is always going to leave you left a little disappointed because it's one thing or the other, you know, and it doesn't uh, give you a lot of room. And of course, we have our variants, which I'm glad you put in the Loki Gator. <laughs> Again, can't get enough of that variant. And for a cosplay, you know how easy to say that you're a variant from anything? Like, you know, look, I'm Bucky. I'm a variant of Bucky. I'm bald. You know, you can do anything as a variant. That's like the easiest cosplay that someone can do. So I'm just thought about the, the possibility of having a costume. You don't need a costume. You're just a variant. The Sacred Timeline. That moment, seeing everything branch upon itself, upon itself, upon itself. Just literally the universe breaking apart uh, was interesting to see that happen. Because uh, even though you have within this kind of like narrow straight that you would have variants going back and forth, but it would still remain on this steady stream. But now it just completely um, opened up the floodgate, so to speak, because now... Go ahead, Kenny. I'm sorry. I was going to say that that does open up uh, a question I do have. Would that explain, like, are they trying to tie that into, um, you know, I guess when everybody disappeared? It's more about like if you have um, like what what's the timeline like in when Loki okay like what's the timeline of that too like with the Avengers and then Loki disappeared and the people that disappeared right or, so it, is, there, is there any connection like think of it as that's our timeline that that happened to us and we like got snapped right. There's another universe in which Thanos did not do that. And that the Avengers won uh, before that ever happened. There was another okay. universe where it wasn't Thanos, it was someone else. Or you know, it gets repeated over and over again, and there's different versions of the exact same story, more or less. So, okay. Okay. so there's decisions that worked, some that did not work. And then various people did the exact same thing in different positions, and so the whole multiverse means it goes everywhere. Okay. So that's why we were going to get the Ant-Man um, quantum mania story coming in with the multiverse thing with Kang. Doctor Strange is going to be dealing with the multiverse as well. Spider-Man is going to be dealing with the multiverse because there's going to be three Spider-Man, supposedly, coming in with their own villains into this universe. So that's where you're like, that's how you can explain why Toby Maguire is different from Andrew McCarthy. Uh, Andrew McCarthy. No, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> Tom Holland. So that's why you can explain why all these different Spider-Mans don't look the same. They're, they're in their own universe. But with the multiverse breaking apart, they can come whenever intertwined. And have fun with each other. <laughs> so they, so they, they, kinda, get, they kinda covered Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I just really hope that they get some quantum physicists to actually help them with 
the science behind it. Because personally, when I go and do like when I watch certain things and it doesn't make sense scientifically, I get so turned off by it because I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense, you know? So if you if you go against the science, you're going to make an enemy of me. <laughs> so I just hope that they they get somebody to help them with developing that idea. That go, awesome. go back and check your map. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And of course, he who remains is at the end of all this. So I'm interested to see if we're going to get the, the comic book version of Kang in that kind of weird outfit that they have him in the comics. So, again, I was kind of like, uh, that doesn't look like him. But as he said, I go by many names, and one of them is Conqueror, which is one of his titles, King the Conqueror. So, But uh, we'll see what happens. So this is the slide that I was looking for. If you have not seen this, at one point, they kind of synced up a moment in which he who remains is talking about what's going on, as well as what's happening in WandaVision at the very end. So at one point, he stops and sensing something. When you look at what is happening in WandaVision and that moment, I see that scene happening in which Wanda is becoming the Scarlet Witch. It kind of works a bit together on that level. So he's sensing something and he has like this kind of reaction to that. So again, she is going to be part of the multiverse or multi open up a whole new universe, so to speak. So because now she's the Scarlet Witch, that is also could be a Nexus event in itself that was not predicted. Because he says up to that point, I don't know what's going on from this point on. Your guess is good. My, I don't know. This is like a brand new start because he has no idea what's going on. So when that happens, if you remember at the end of WandaVision, she's in the cabin and she's doing whatever. And then she hears her kids. If the multiverse is now exploded and comes alive in that multiverse, her kids are out there and that's how she hears them. So that's where I'm like, oh, it kind of plays into itself. So that's how I can see it working on, on that level. I just hope that they don't use it as a do-over. You know, I feel like sometimes they use this like, oh, it's a deus ex machina and we're going to get all of the characters we want back. You know, I'm just like, mm, I'm hesitant. Well, I know, I know. One of the things that, that like the DC was trying to do with the extended universe is like we could have done a multiverse. You could explain the different variations of Batman and all that. But Marvel's going to get there first, so <laughs> always one upping them <laughs> constantly. All right, so in our library we have, of course, in Hoopla, which I love tremendously, the Loki soundtrack. If you've not heard it, uh, I highly recommend listening to that for a bit. Um, and then we also have the different Loki comics, the Journey to Mystery comic that I mentioned earlier, in which title number episode five was named after. So really happy that we have that in our collection. And then this, the hair flipping. I 
cannot believe how much hair flipping he did. <laughs> and I am like being jealous. Oh, thanks, Annie. <laughs> Thank you wow. <laughs> wait, wait. That was perfect. Annie wins wow. today. Annie wins. <laughs> you win. I will say in his defense. Okay, one, this show is a whole thirst trap for Tom Hiddleston, right? Thank you. This is, this is one thing. They made the show because everyone loves Loki. Tom Hiddleston is hot. They wanted to see more of him, so we get six hours. In his defense, my boyfriend has the same length of hair right now, and it is really hard to put up into, like, a ponytail or anything and still look masculine. You know, so I will say you can't, his hair is too short to put up unless he's using, like, barrettes or something. So he keeps he has to so keep get out of his real. hair. The struggle is the struggle real. Is real. The struggle is real. But hey, I don't mind the struggle. I'll watch the whole struggle. I'll watch it again. Huh. Annie and I will be watching the show again just Absolutely. for some Don't worry, Monty, my hair can't flip either. Unless I'm wearing a weave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe for cosplay. Maybe for cosplay. All right. I give up. Um, but before I go, Patrick wrote, Marvel's notorious for that. DC has always had the multiverse more than Marvel. Marvel is using uh, this more because the singular continuity limits the creativity. Uh, and Marvel's going out of the comfort zone. Yeah, no, no, that's all right. I totally agree. That That's the one cool thing that I love about this. Now, if we're going to get, like, in um, the rumors where it would be, like, in Doctor Strange, if we get a version of Iron Man... That could be Tom Cruise. If we get a version of Black Widow, it could be Emily Blunt. These were the original actors that they were going to go with, but they went with two different actors. So that's where I get it's really interesting to see, like, no, in that universe, Tom Cruise was Iron Man. In that universe, Emily Blunt was Black Widow. So I'm like, I'm all for that. So bring it on. I know that. I noticed that it's interesting that um, although DCs, they've been slopping with their movies, they're really, really good in their animes and their animations and the story. Right. Animation, no doubt. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. but what if two episodes in today, I start like yeah. at, at the end of uh, episode two, because it's T'Challa as Star-Lord and it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. So, I'll ask again, are we going to do a what if? Yes, we are, but they're doing this on a weekly basis, so we're not going to be able to be done until, I think, the end of September. Mm. So we got a lot of episodes to watch. So definitely we'll do a what if. And if we do the recap that it's too much in one episode, uh, one sitting, I'll do like part one and part two like I will do with um, Stranger Things uh, later on if it becomes too much, too unwielding. We'll just do four or five episodes or something like that and just separate it. Yeah, they really are pushing what if, um, yeah, using DC's playbook, I know. <laughs> uh, DC has the Elseworlds, which I wish they get on their butts to do, but, you know, whatever. But uh, in any case, I'm really happy you guys came today. So thanks for today's geek out. And, uh, wow, we did great. I'm really happy. I had a crappy day, but you guys made it better. Oh. Uh, just remember, Annie, I know where you work. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <I get> you. <laughs>
Oh, she, she calmed she really down. She really did. She really did. <laughs> oh, that was great. Thank you. I really needed that laugh. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Jennifer. Bye. Thank you, everyone. Today was fun. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. So that's going to be the end of today's podcast. And I do hope that you've enjoyed our topic as well as maybe encourage you to come to our future Geek Out Library program. But in any case, remember, you can always follow me on the various social networks. You can always email me at monstersci-fi-show at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or things you would like us to do in the future as far as library programs or my regular stuff. Either way, email me. Don't be bashful. Thank you for listening to us on the Monster Sci-Fi Show. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. Good night. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. Time to grab your pillow and join the Geek Father in Little Bit for discussions on current, nostalgic, and speculative happenings in pop culture. Nerd news, fandom histories, deep dive discussions, reviews, and more. It's like listening to your closest friends have a nerdy conversation. So sit back, relax, and let the Blurred Nerds podcast embrace you with their warm, goofy goodness. It's nerd goals for your ear holes right here on the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.